right, and welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith, here alone once again for a solo interview episode. John and Chuck will be back on Tuesday morning for a full episode of Fast Break Breakfast. This episode was recorded with my baby girl very nearby late at night after this Celtics Warriors game, watching the Titans and Steelers play. Uh, I got my old buddy Adam on the line. He was kind of a last second fill in, so I'm a little hyper, a little excited to be talking to him, and we had a good time doing that. If you want to support our program, you can do that at patreon.com slash fast break breakfast. We are in the midst of our fantasy basketball leagues over on fantrax.com, having a lot of fun with all the customizable options. Once again, the International Stackhouse of Pancakes, negative fantasy league for pride and glory. It's the most exciting and volatile fantasy league I've ever played. I can't recommend it highly enough. If you want to get involved with that and support the program, you can do that all at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is the site manager for DenverStiffs.com and the host of Locked On Nuggets and is a return guest, Mr. Adam Morris. Adam, how are you? I'm excited to be a three-time guest now. I thought this might be four, but I guess this is just three. There's a good chance it's four. I don't (laughs) I'm not great at memory. Like, that's uh, not a skill I have. It's it's fine. I got to be real. I've kind of buddied up to you like a lost puppy. I don't know why. You're just a random stranger. And I'm that's like, true. you know what? This guy, I like his energy. I like his energy. <laughs> and I want to be around him. So, uh, that, yeah. <laughs> happy to be thought of this way. Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, we start our shows, as you know, talking about breakfast, even though we are speaking late at night as the ca- no, the Celtics have just held off the Warriors. But did you have breakfast this morning? I did not. <laughs> I I had leftover Indian food for breakfast at like ten o'clock. That I, I don't think that counts. No, that that absolutely is a breakfast. Nothing wrong it's, with that. It doesn't have a, to be a typical breakfast food. It's whatever you did to break your fast. Well, I I did that. I did that pretty late today. Indian food, not a great breakfast. Like leftover Indian, not not a great breakfast. It doesn't do the spices not wake you up? Are there any kind of? Uh... I had to microwave it like it, yeah. it's, you know, it, it was a uh, tikka masala, which I love, but it was like microwaved. It just wasn't it, the rice gets dry. I, I didn't. It wasn't good. Wasn't good. Speaking <laughs> of, uh, I, I guess I could say that was my transition to the nuggets. Speaking I of to see how not you get to good. <laughs> Speaking Perfect. of uh, kind of warmed over and disappointing and not what I remembered. <laughs> how about that nuggets <laughs> offense? Yeah, that was so so uh, good. Yeah, uh, coming into the year, you know, I'm like a bandwagon Nuggets fan. Uh, I do. And so they're probably my second favorite team. And so I think like a lot of people, I was really fired up. I thought Paul Millsap was a good addition. And I was like, this team, once they put Jokic into the lineup last year, had the best offense in the NBA, and they're going to kill teams this year just with with, this going to be Jokic all year. Great offense. And I watched like the first two games of this season, and I was like... (laughs) Uh, it's, it's broken. So, uh, should I already go ahead and just reset my expectations for the year? I have, by the way, but, uh, are, are the dreams of a brilliant, beautiful offense are already out the window? 
No, I think it's going to get there. Like, I'm not too concerned myself. But um, I, I do think it was just always going to be a process. They lost their offensive coordinator, so to speak, and Chris Finch, who went to New Orleans. And I think that was like a, a pretty big loss. I think he had a big hand in, in kind of, of, of designing what eventually became that beautiful Nuggets offensive last season. And then, you know, you slot in Jamal Murray, never really played point guard at this level before. Wilson Chandler now starting in Danilo Gallinari's spot. There's just, there was always going to be this adjustment period. I think you look at the offense that the Nuggets played last year, and it wasn't like LeBron's just great and you just throw him on the court and you just run spread, pick, and roll, and it's going to work. It, it was always going to be like much more of a a nuanced, all the pieces have to come together type offense. And I, I just think it'll take time. But I. I think they're going to get back there. I, I think it'll probably be in the next like three or four weeks. They'll kind of turn the corner and then it'll start to click again for them. So you think when they start to click again, they can be like top five offense in the NBA? Yeah, I would say that. I don't think they're going to be number one like they were last year. Um, but I do think top five, like, okay, Warriors, you know, uh, uh, Rockets, you know, those teams. And then I, I think they're right there. I tell you one thing I don't like about being a basketball fan. I, I feel like I consume almost as much content as I possibly can. Like I'm listening to podcasts. Yeah. I watch a lot of basketball. Like I, maybe I could read more. I don't read very much, but, uh, <laughs> but then it's like always a thing where the nuggets often start slow. And it's like, Oh, you, you know what? The reason they really missed that, uh, that offensive guru, Chris Finch. And I'm sitting here in Nashville, Tennessee being like, I've never heard of Chris Finch. Like why? <laughs> I didn't know these assistant, co- assistant coaches in the NBA are, are that important. And then they leave and they're like, Oh yeah, Chris Finch. It's like, is yeah. there, is someone covering assistant coaches more that I should be more plugged into? It was it was a big storyline in Denver, and in part because Malone's been here three years, so he's had two off seasons, and in both off seasons, there's been this like mass exodus of assistant coaches. Um, so I think that I think it's just something Denver fans kind of have noticed. And then you know there was a lot of talk last year when the Nuggets offense was taken off about oh Chris Finch has really helped this offense. He's this is his fingerprints are all over this. So I, it was kind of a big storyline in Denver. I don't expect you to. I couldn't name any other like Memphis Grizzly assistants. Oh yeah, well. We have Nick Van Exel. We have oh, I, I do uh, know him, former Nuggets. We have JB Bickerstaff, <laughs> son uh, of a former Nugget. Yeah, we have we have a bunch of <laughs> bunch of those. I don't remember. These are Fizdale's guys. I'm I'm blanking on the next on the next couple. I knew him uh, when it was uh when it was uh Big Bob Thornton and all those guys that were around for years with Jaeger and Lionel Hollins. But anyway, yeah, like we don't know much about. I feel like you, there's always like one or two, I guess, assistant coaches that maybe like Zach Lowe will really praise for a while, and then we're like, yeah. oh, Alvin Gentry, he's running the Suns. He's gonna be a right. great. He's gonna be great for Anthony Davis. And then it's like, eh, that's so much. Right. Maybe Chris. <laughs> may, maybe Chris Finch is the answer for uh, now that I know he's in New Orleans. Um. So Jamal Murray thrust into the spotlight. Uh, a lot of it because the, you guys got rid of um, Jameer Nelson, just said, get out of here. Yeah. We, we need uh, podcast <laughs> impresario Richard Jefferson on our team. Was that truly the money ball move of let's get rid of this guy so the coach can't play him anymore as far as getting rid of Jameer Nelson? I would love to tell you with any kind of certainty what the motivation was for that. I I have to think that the order came from somewhere above, whether that was the front office ownership, whatever of like, you know, Malone, Jameer Nelson is your safety blanket. We no longer want you to have that. I have to think there's some kind of truth to that. Now, 
what I will say is I think it's crazy. Whoever was opposed <laughs> to that idea, I was on their side because you look at the Nuggets numbers, and, and I have to – I'm going to full disclosure. I, I am known around these parts as a Moutier hater, and it, not, I, there's nothing could be farther from the truth. I want nothing but the best for, for the guy. Um, I just don't believe in the talent. And you look at the Nuggets roster right now, the starting lineup is actually incredible. It's one of the best starting lineups in all of the NBA, you know, from a plus-minus standpoint, net rating, whatever you want to say. Um, you look at, like, Will Barton fits in with those guys very seamless, seamlessly. As soon as Moutier steps on the court, all of the numbers, no matter who you throw out there with them, look pretty bad. So I think a, a, one way of looking at the Nuggets offense is saying, yeah, it looks clunky and it doesn't look like last year and they're still figuring parts out. Another part, another way to look at it is to say they play these really, really bad lineups, especially off of the bench where everything just kind of runs into a brick wall and or gets stuck in the mud, whatever metaphor you want to use, and, and they never really regain their rhythm. So I think what, that's a major storyline. What's the lineup on the second unit that you'd prefer to see? <laughs> Jameer Nelson. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 again, I, I, it's hard for me to like give my honest opinion on these things without sounding like a hater. Right. Um, but you know, you throw out Mason Plumley in there, who's not a threat to score outside of the paint. Um, but he is useful when you put the ball in his hands, but unfortunately they stagger the lineup so that he's almost always playing with Millsap or Jokic. And those guys have the ball in his hands. So now Mason Plumlee's an off ball center who can't shoot outside of the restricted area. And then you try to run pick and roll with Emmanuel Moutier, who also can't shoot outside the restricted area and sometimes not even in the restricted area. And it's just like, okay, when you have, when you start with those two pieces, it's really hard to, to slide people in around them. And Wilson Chandler's had a slow start to the year as well. He just doesn't seem to have the confidence on his jump shot. So the, those bench lineups just have a lot of three non-shooting threat guys on the court. Um, it's, it's hard to overcome. Well, you don't see improvement from Moutier that gives you any hope from as much as I've watched the Nuggets. I've been like, hey, Moutier looks better, a little more confident. He's knocking down his threes this year so far. It might not be helping to space the offense yet, but he's hitting his shots so far. So you're, you're not you're not liking anything you're seeing from him. I, what I like is he looks thinner than ever before. Like he looks, he looks the most trimmed down and just kind of cut that I've ever seen. And, and it kind of shows in the way he plays, he plays a hundred miles per hour, um, by design. And, and so that looks good, but you look at his shooting numbers from at the rim, almost identical in the paint, almost identical mid range, identical long mid range, identical three pointers. He's shooting like 45%. Now my personal opinion is his shot is improved, but is, is he going to be a 45% shooter all year? Probably not. So even if he's moderately you know, improved at, at the three, everything else looks the exact same, in, including his shots at the rim where he's shooting, I think, 52% at the rim, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like a 50% shot, right? Like that includes dunks and layups. So, um, so none of his numbers have really improved from a shooting standpoint other than his three. So do you think in that second unit, they should try more of using those stretch bigs that they have on the roster. So it isn't just those plumbly in there with a, with a Millsap or Jokic, even when Jokic comes back in. So there's not always two yeah. bigs like to see if Trey Lyles can play or, or if, you know, Daryl Arthur still has something in the tank to play like a five, like alongside maybe Farid who can't shoot. I think you're kind of tapping in now into another one of the kind of roster issues is that this team has a lot of traditional power forward type guys. And one of them is making 14 million a year in Mason Plumlee. Um, and then another one's making 13 million a year in Kenneth Fareed. So you got two guys that are two of the most highly paid players on your roster. And I, I would say, yes, I think you need to play more small ball lineups. Wilson Chandler 
not really a great three, I don't think anymore, but he is a very good four because he's a good like one on one player. And, and when you play him at four, he almost always has a nice advantage one way or the other. Um, so I do think they need to find the minutes for that. Unfortunately, they don't really have enough threes when Wancho gets back and he's kind of getting back into the swing of things. He got mono to start the years, which is kind of, you know, you didn't anticipate that, but, um, you know, you can start to slide him at the three Wilson at the four, and that's one stretch lineup outside of that. There's not really a lot of combinations. What there are is a lot of power forward combinations. Um, so I, I think, yes, they need to play more stretch lineups, but I'm not sure Trey Lyles is really a stretch for, um, he he's kind of even more traditional for to be honest with you from what I've seen is uh, but it isn't even Wancho I mean I know he plays some three but isn't he even still more like a four or, or is like do, do you consider yeah. him to be a traditional like an actual wing no he's so the way I look at it is him and Wilson are both kind of the same like they're they're better as a four but you're going to play them together and I think that's fine because they're both so tall that opposing teams will probably have to match up with a mismatch with one of them. So yeah, I think, I think they're both kind of a four, but you end up just having a lineup with two fours is what you have. You, you said Chandler off to a slow start. He looks like he's sleepwalking out there. Like he, he has, I mean, he's playing, <laughs> I think he's playing almost the most minutes on the whole team. He's playing like 30 minutes a game and he's not doing anything. Like it's, yeah. cr- it's crazy. Like is, is there any, has there been any talk of health concerns, personal concerns? Is he depressed? Do like, do we have any, uh, do they cancel his favorite Netflix series? <laughs> you're that's kind of, it's hard for me to say, cause you're right. You're touching on, he looks like he is unhappy. He looks lethargic. He looks like he doesn't want to be on the court. Actually, he doesn't look like he doesn't want to be on the court. He looks like he doesn't care if he's on the court or not. He probably, and, you know, he, maybe he misses his Gallinari. <laughs> maybe maybe they were tight buddies, man. You know, coming into the season, I thought at, at media day, he kind of was saying a lot of positive things. And I thought, cause there was rumors last year that he didn't want to be in Denver and I asked him point blank on the record, off the record, both times, you know, just asked him and, and he was pretty adamant that he was happy to be here, but yeah, you watch him. And, and I think Wilson's the ultimate guy. You probably shouldn't play body language doctor with because Wilson's kind of a different dude anyway. And he's kind of always in chill mode. Um, but he does look extra chill this year and the nuggets need him to kind of be less chill. Um, so, so I don't know. I, he, he's been really, really bad this year, especially on the offensive end. I think his defense has been okay, but I don't know if, if the, the chill factor is just who he is or if something else is going on. I have no read on that. Well, that's the whole team is like the defense has been pretty good or okay. And the offense has been, you know, kind of bad, at least half court wise, they're not finding it. Um, so a big question, Paul Millsap, again, the big free agent, a reason for a lot of optimism, but so far, his addition, it seems like maybe it's just gummed up the offensive works. The space for the cutters aren't there, and he likes to have the ball in his hands, and it's not moving as crisp. Uh, do you think that he's going to round into shape? I mean, you did say that the offense you think is going to come around, but do you think Millsap is going to find more of a rhythm than what he's had so far? I think he's already him and Jokic have already kind of figured each other out quite a bit. I would say they're the, the two of them are probably like 80, 85% early on in the season. There was a lot of running into each other, you know, a guy posting up right in front of another guy who's trying to pick and roll or whatever. There's not so much of that anymore. I don't think they're the problem. And it's been fun watching Millsap because I've known he's a great player and I've obviously watched him in bits, but I, when you, when he's on your team and you're watching him every night, you really get to see all the little things he does. I'm a big fan. I really like the way he plays defensively. He brings so much to the table. It actually makes this team, in my opinion, like an average and adequate defensive team offensively. I just don't think he's the problem. I think him and Jokic have gotten there like Gary Harris, Will Barton have figured things out. The issue is the point guard and the, the small forward position right now are, are, 
are big question marks and that second unit are question marks. But I think those guys have figured it out. That's not the issue. So a couple of those bench guys who, like, if you catch them, if you're just flipping around league pass on any given night, you might be blown away. Like, these guys are incredible. But they're up and down. Their spots in the NBA aren't even really, like, something you can, I don't know, get a good handle on. That's, that's Kenneth Fareed, who we mentioned, and, and Will Barton. Yeah. Who, so Will Barton, like, last year when I envisioned Nuggets lineups, I considered him almost superfluous. Like, I can build all these fun mm-hmm. lineups. Oh, and there's Will Barton. This yeah. year, watching the games, it feels like Will Barton is crucial. Like, well, we need Will Barton yeah. out there because like nothing, nothing <laughs> else is happening. So those two guys, I know I just threw a lot at you. Um, how, how do we fit those two guys into the Nuggets, into successful lineups, or, or do they fit into lineups? Do they, do they need to be some part of like pieces that move to bring in something else? They're both so different, so I'm going to break this into two answers here. Yes. And with, with Kenneth Reed, you know, him and Jokic were a perfect pair last year, a near-perfect pair. They were just amazing, especially on the offensive end. Um, and unfortunately, you know, Plumlee has kind of taken priority and taken a lot of those minutes. But it was interesting because I talked to Malone about that the other day and just said, you know, do you have a big enough sample size where you start to try to look at lineup data and, and see which lineups are working and maybe try to to, to tinker with it? And he And he says... You know, yeah, we look and 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 Farid and Jokic are really good together. Plumlee and Jokic, not so much, or whatever, you know. And and so he's aware. He's yeah. aware of the data, and I find that interesting. But again, you know, you're either going to play a traditional power forward for 48 minutes, or you're going to try to find a small ball lineup. And if you try to find a small ball lineup, the Nuggets are going to pick Plumlee over Farid just because they're more invested financially with him. So unfortunately, he's a good player. He's limited. He needs the right fit around him. And so he's a hard person to trade, like a hard piece to trade. Um, so I, I don't know where he fits in the future with Will Barton. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Will Barton, man. This guy, you know, I think last year, or the last couple of years, he was a six man scorer. And maybe that like the scale of scoring or looking to score was a little too far in the like gunner category. But I think this year he's been much more re- just restrained and, and, and good with the ball and makes good decisions. And the Nuggets need somebody that can beat you know, beat their man off the dribble one-on-one and kind of collapse the defense. They've got Moutier who can do that, but then doesn't really make the best decisions once he does. And Will Barton, who's doing that uh, and making good decisions. So he's been, I I think Will Barton has been phenomenal this year and he's gone. I agree with you. He's gone from a somewhat redundant piece to now like a crucial piece for the Nuggets. So uh, Kenneth Fareed, I feel like, as you said, like it's, he's hard to trade and you can't really find a spot for him. I feel like he's just some kind of like outcast soul, like cursed to wander the yeah. wilderness, like never, <laughs> n- never to be at peace, never to find his home. Um, yeah. And Will Barton, again, I, I'm in complete agreement where like I used to kind of argue, like, I think this guy's pretty overrated. Like, I think he just guns right. and has no other gear, but I, I really liked what I've seen from him. So yeah. the biggest piece of the nuggets, uh, Nikola Jokic, Incredibly popular, sometimes controversial, like on NBA Twitter when people get too carried away with his advanced stats and, and talking about how good he is. I'm, I, I love the guy. I, I think he's incredible. But I, I think I've been permanently changed by now seeing him get thoroughly beat up by Yusuf Nurkic twice. Oh, man. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's like it is, it is George McFly facing Biff Tannen in the original Back to the Future timeline. It's uncomfortable. It's bullying. And you're like, Jokic, like, in a vacuum, like, 90% of the world says you're better than Nurkic. But when you guys play, it's like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, this guy's your kryptonite. So how do how have these, what have to be disappointing as a Nuggets fan, matchups, how have these matchups affected your overall view of who Jokic the player can be? 
Not at all, because I'm not a crazy person. But I do, <laughs> I do agree with you that it, it is funny. You know, some guys just like our tough matchup, and I think you look at there's a there's a blueprint out, in my opinion, on how to defend Jokic. There's three guys that really, really give him a hard time: Demarcus Cousins, uh, Nene, and Nurkic. And what do all three of those guys have in common? They're big, really freaking strong, but they're also mobile. Like they're not just like Andre Drummond who can't step out past the free throw line and move his feet or whatever. Like they actually have some mobility. And I think that was, you know, Portland had three days off going into that game. Um, and they, it's very clear that they had like a full practice to game plan for that game. Cause I thought they had a great game plan all the way around. There's a reason Mason Plumlee was shooting like 18 foot jumpers the, for the entire first half until they benched him. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think you're right that that matchup has so far looked incredibly lopsided, not just a little bit, but I mean, come on, Jokic is still, like I think uh, a transcendent talent where I think Nurkic is still like a, a, a really high level role player. So uh, I, I don't, I don't think you can compare the two, even if you, even if head to head, there's Nurkic looks better. I, I'm not saying in, in any world that I think Nurkic is better than Jokic. I'm saying my opinion of Jokic of being such like a transcendent building block for a team is somehow affected when like this this nemesis rival just keeps taking his like taking his lunch money and keeps shoving his face in the dirt and he's like you're gonna take it and you're gonna like it uh, like I don't know it, it made I, me <laughs> it made me sad it made me uncomfortable uh, I felt bad but may, hopefully I'm wrong go, may, maybe go for it man uh, I mean look I'm, I'm here's here's the thing here's the thing I've I've had to determine because as you mentioned Jokic is such a controversial figure. I'm 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 out on the evangelicism. Like I'm I'm oh, now yeah. I, I'm a believer in the Church of Jokic. But if you're not, that's cool. You know what I mean? Like eh, you guys can all decide for yourself what uh, what you think of him. Yeah, those are those are the best believers. Just keep that to yourself. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a, a few questions here uh, for your level of concern. And you've already said you're not pretty concerned. You seem pretty mellow. But uh, so your options for level of concern are going to be sober, which is not high. Okay. Mellow, which is no big deal, man. Or legalize it very high. <laughs> so this is your level of concerns. Okay. The increase in defense by adding Millsap is not worth him gumming up the offense. What's your level of concern there? Uh, s- sober. Sober. So you, you, no, no problem at all. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, right. Very, no, very sober. No, no level of concern. All right. Level of concern. Gary Harris, who signed a very reasonable contract extension, maybe isn't as good as we thought. Well, take the we out because I've always thought that Gary Harris is this really, really good player, but probably not the type of player that gets that kind of contract. Like, but you know, if Jokic and Mil- last year, if Jokic was out, Danilo Gallinari was out and you're like, okay, Gary, you got to take the, like, there's, that's not going to happen. That's just not who he is. He's just a good guy that does his job. So I'm going to say, but I, but he's also really, really, really good at doing his job. It's just yeah. his job is way more narrow. So I'm going to say mellow. Is that kind of kind of mellow? So it's like that's, it's not like deal. one hit. Yeah, just yeah. One you hit. have some. Well, I know. I'm just. This has nothing to do with hits. I'm. I'm just. You know, <laughs> just words. But uh, yeah. So you're 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 vaguely concerned. You know, like eh, he has a role, but he looks a little more yeah. Aaron Aflalo than I'd like right now. Yeah, yeah he's like, like the eight version of Aaron Aflalo. That's a, probably a good way to put it. Like. 
Man, who's like Danny Green? He's like an A plus Danny Green. You know what I mean? Like he's a really, really good role player. Well, Danny Green almost won the Finals MVP, but that was, yeah, I'm that with was you. Like, that was like a series where he played like he was an MVP <laughs> caliber player. He, yeah, he had eighty percent of his threes on like whatever it was, uh, six attempts a game. Okay, uh, what's your concern level that? Uh, Jamal Murray waving off a Jokic pick at the end of the Portland game uh, is the start of some division in the clubhouse. <laughs> a zero? I mean, it's very sober. <laughs> uh, you, I thought you were going to ask me some questions about like maybe his upside not being as high as people think, and I would have said I'm high or whatever. I'm yeah, yeah. Legal, but, legalize but, it. Legalized. <laughs> Sorry. Well, I, I, I was again. Uh, I'm just. I just read read too much stuff into things. I was so upset watching this like Kobe all-star game waving off Carl Malone pick play out in a game where I don't remember what he, he was shooting. Jamal Murray was like seven for 18. They were down by 20 and he's waving off Jokic picks to play one-on-one. I was appalled. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. I was very upset. I was like, Jamal Murray, you might be dead to me. Uh, I'm going to have to reconsider how much I thought I liked you. Yeah, don't, I don't, that, that isn't a thing. I don't think you can worry about his actual talents or this or that is fair, but I don't think he's that guy. Okay. Uh, well, also, over the summer and all the trade rumors, it was always, and I think Zach Lowe, who just wrote a thing on Jokic, uh, he mentioned this about how the Nuggets were rumored to like, oh, yeah, we're not going to trade. We're not going to trade Gary Harris. We're not going to trade Jamal Murray. Do, right. do, do you seem to like maybe you fall in the camp where you have regrets of, oh, I would have liked to trade Jamal Murray for a real good player like Kyrie Irving? You know, I'm not a huge Kyrie guy either. Um, but but the Kyrie stuff is more about like personal taste and and style of play, personal taste. But yeah, when they were, when I saw some of these things about like Jimmy Butler or Paul George, like ah, oh, it's really reluctant to part with Murray. I was like, really? He, <laughs> to, to me, like his upside is like a good starter, but like his middle of the road, like the 50th percentile of what he could be, is like I don't know, Lou Lou Williams or you know, like a good yeah. like scorer off the bench or something. So. So yeah, he's to me he was not an untouchable piece. Even though I I do like him, I think he's a I think he's a good prospect. All right, concern level. What's your concern level about Nemanja and Strahinja Jokic? I don't know if I got those names right. Jokic's brothers going all Jeff Galuli, Tanya Harding on Yusuf Nurkic. Oh my God! Uh, legalize it. Legalize it. <laughs> legalize. This is a real thing that could happen. <laughs> I think I think Jokic and Nurkic are friends, and this is part of why like Nurkic takes the on-court battle very seriously. And you could see he has a chip on his shoulder and Jokic for whatever reason is like, that's my brother. And I think it's just at some point he's going to have to be like, no, 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 no. Like you gotta come on. And, and honestly, maybe it's going to take the media here in Denver kind of going at him as they kind of did after that game of like, Hey, what the heck happened to you, man? You got to get serious. Um, but Strahinia and Nemanja, very intimidating fellows, enormous. They do look like serial killers. I'm going to put that at a, a legalize it level of threat. Legalize it. All right. And uh, last last one, Jokic's offense and scoring. Are, are, are you concerned at all? Um, no. I, again, I think Jokic, like, you look at the efficiency already, and it's really, really great, and he's not getting the same type of – he's getting a completely different profile of shots, and he's still knocking them down. I think the dude's just an incredible talent. Um, it's going to be up to him and the team to kind of figure out how to best to use him, and I still am pretty optimistic that they will. Um, I, I look at it this way. You look at his efficiency on the year from, from like mid-range and long shots where he's taken most of his offense through the roof better than it was last year. 
And I just think if they get the offense back to where, what it was last year, where they're getting all these easy shots and he's, he's running the show. I mean, he's going to have a breakout, not, not breakout like he did last year. I think his numbers are going to go through the roof. So it's just a matter of, can they figure out how to play that style again? Like they had last year. Yeah. It's really bizarre in November. He hasn't scored between 20 and 40 points. (laughs) <laughs> like he scored, he scored 41. And then in yeah. every other game he scored, he scored under, under 20. All right. Well, uh, Adam, thanks for coming on. What, what are you thinking now? You seem to be a little more calm, mellow. I'm a little more freaked out about my second favorite team, uh, not looking very good. So where do you think they are going to play out, uh, in the Western conference? What's your prediction right now? Middle of November. I think still a seven or eight seed. I, I still think they make the playoffs. Um, I think like the five, six seed is probably not going to happen, which was, they had a chance for that, especially if they got off to a hot start, but I'm going to throw out the date, November 30th. That's kind of my, like throwing a dart at the ma- the calendar saying, when are they going to figure it out? I think November 30th is when things start to really start to climb. They have a couple really easy games, like three or four easy home games right there. I think that's where they start to put the pieces together. That's good. Uh, tell people where they can uh, follow you online and what what stuff you got coming up. DenverStiffs.com, the best place for Denver Nuggets coverage, and then Locked On Nuggets. That I don't really have anything coming up. Perfect. Locked On Nuggets, though. That's that's all the time. Every day of the week. That's insane. What's your? Uh, you're a, you're a big guy for like a regular person. Like you're tall. Uh, <laughs> like for a non NBA player, you know, you're tall. Right. Yeah. What's your, yeah, yeah. what's your, what's your NBA parallel? Like for your pickup style, we've never played basketball oh, together. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is a, this is a good one. Like probably Lamar Odom. Oh um, yeah. No, I, I mean, honestly, I would say Nikola Jokic cause there's a, but cause this is part of the reason why I like him so much, but I'll say Lamar Odom cause I can do a little bit more perimeter oh. stuff, but tall don't score a ton, but, but set the table guard, a lot of positions table setter. That's, that's what a, I like. That's what I'm I liked about guy, you. I, I didn't. I you know. I, that, I knew there was something in table setter. Everyone likes playing with those guys. I'll, I'll tell you this. I played with somebody in the Nuggets front office over the summer, and, he, and he's told everybody I'm Boris Diaw, which I think Boris Diaw is just the fat Lamar Odom. So I, I think I think at 33 years old now, I'm I'm, I'm Boris Diaw. Man, that's a that's a pretty sweet compliment. I, I would accept it. Well, I, Adam, do, I do. Adam, thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks a bunch. All right. Thanks to Adam. Fun to talk with him. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares, M-A-R-E-S. And listen to Locked on Nuggets if you want to hear more about Jokic and those guys. If you want to support our program, you can do that at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast or go to harrys.com slash fastbreak. Revolutionize your shaving life. You can follow me on Twitter at Fast Break Break. Like us on Facebook. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being G and G. Fast Break Break, man. You understand?